Hey everybody, this is Natal Partansky with Startup Essays. Hi, so it's been a minute, uh, and 2020 has also been fucking weird, as many of you all know, but um, my company has had some issues, and the world has had some issues, but I am back. Uh, I know I got a few emails from you guys asking if I, like, fell off the map or died or or whatever uh no i i haven't <laughs> i've just been busy and um dealing with some company related things but i am determined now to close out this year with a podcast every week and i've mapped out what we're going to be doing mapped out who we'll be talking to and for the next, I guess, hmm, six months, every Monday morning, expect a fresh new podcast from myself, Natal Partansky, uh, about some startup essays. And here at Startup Essays, we read prolific writers in the startup community's essays, uh, some of their insights onto the startup world and startup culture, investing, company building, all things startup related. And then uh, reflect on them. The goal of this is to turn the essays that you might be able to read online for TechCrunch, Paul Graham, Vinod Koshla, really you know, kind of popular and insightful writers, and turn them into audiobooks and then provide commentary and critiques on how practical their advice is and, like, if I've done it myself uh, as a startup founder. And I started sorting robotics a little over two years ago while working at NASA JPL. And so for some of you that have been longtime listeners, you know that. But since we're kind of breathing new life into the podcast, um, I'll uh, just kind of open everything up for questions. And I think actually I had some input from a um, from another founder who said that it might be very interesting to actually just take questions from other startup founders that are running into issues and like kind of take my own opinion more like a not a relationship advice podcast but like a startup relationship advice podcast so what are your relationships inside your supply chain inside your co-founding team between your employees what issues do you run into that are somewhat esoteric that only a startup founder would really understand and be able to empathize with well here's one for you and i'm just a guy just like you so if you guys are trying to start your own company i've been there and i've been there a couple times and uh i mean i'm just as like naive and you know on the path to learning how this whole thing works uh, as as some of you are, and maybe some of you are even more experienced, and it's interesting to see things through my eyes. So, uh, that being said, I will start this week with another Paul Graham essay. This essay is called, uh, let's see, Mean People Fail. Paulgram.com forward slash mean. This one was written in 2014. And as a reminder, all of these essays that I'll be reading are either suggested to me by some of you guys, listeners, 
or I found them in my perusing of the Paul Graham website, or uh, they're just suggested by one of my friends, and they're not a Paul Graham essay. Uh, the reason why I'm so kind of inclined towards Paul Graham essays is because I went through Y Combinator, or I guess my company went through Y Combinator, and um, and I kind of fell into that uh, sort of group where there's one guy who's got a lot of pretty good insightful things, and he started a startup that makes other startups, and they have a pretty good mindset when it comes to building companies and developing value. So... Um, that being said, I'll go ahead and read this essay and reflect on it a little bit after that as well. So here we go. Mean People Fail, November 2014. It struck me recently how few of the most successful people I know are mean. There are exceptions, but remarkably few. Meanness isn't rare. In fact, one of the things that the internet has shown us is how mean people can be. A few decades ago, only famous people and professional writers got to publish their opinions. Now everyone can. And we all can see the long tale of meanness that has previously been hidden. And yet, while there are clearly a lot of mean people out there, there are next to none among the most successful people I know. What's going on here? Are meanness and success inversely correlated? Part of what's going on, of course, is selection bias. I only know people who work in certain fields. Startup founders, programmers, professors. I'm willing to believe that successful people in other fields are mean. Maybe successful hedge fund managers are mean. I don't know enough to say. It seems quite likely that the most successful drug lords are mean. But there are at least big chunks of the world that mean people don't rule. And that territory seems to be growing. My wife and Y Combinator co-founder, Jessica, is one of those rare people who have x-ray vision for character. Being married to her is like standing next to an airport baggage scanner. She came to the startup world from investment banking, and she has always been struck both by how consistently successful startup founders turn out to be good people and how consistently bad people fail as startup founders. Why? I think there are several reasons. One is that being mean makes you stupid. That's why I hate fights. You never do your best work in a fight because fights are not sufficiently general. Winning is always a function of the situation and the people involved. You don't win fights by thinking of big ideas, but by thinking of tricks that work in one particular case. And yet, fighting is just as much work as thinking about real problems, which is particularly painful to someone who cares how their brain is used. Your brain goes fast, but you get nowhere. Like a car spinning its wheels. Startups don't win by attacking. They win by transcending. There are exceptions, of course, but usually the way to win is to race ahead, not stop and fight. Another reason mean founders lose is that they can't get the best people to work for them. They can hire people who will put up with them because they need a job, but the best people have other opinions. A mean person can't convince the best people to work for him unless he is super convincing. And while having the best people helps any organization, it is critical for startups. There is also a complementary force at work. If you want to build great things, it helps to be driven by a spirit of benevolence. The startup founders who end up richest are not the ones driven by money. The ones driven by money take a big acquisition offer that nearly every successful startup gets en route. The ones who keep going are driven by something else. They may not say so explicitly, but they are trying to improve the world. 
which means people with a desire to improve the world have a natural advantage. The exciting thing is that startups are not just one random type of work in which meanness and success are inversely correlated. This kind of work is the future. For most history, success meant control of scarce resources. One got that by fighting, whether literally in the case of pastoral nomads driving hunter-gatherers into marginal lands, or metaphorically in the case of Gilded Age financiers contending with one another to assemble railroad monopolies. For most of history, success meant success at zero-sum games, and in most of them, meanness was not a handicap but probably an advantage. That is changing. Increasingly, the games that matter are not zero-sum. Increasingly, you win not by fighting to get control of a scarce resource, but by having new ideas and building new things. There have long been games where you won by having new ideas. In 3rd century BC, Archimedes won by doing that, at least until an invading Roman army killed him, (laughs) which illustrates why this change is happening. For new ideas to matter, you need a certain degree of civil order, and not just being at war. You also need to prevent the sort of economic violence that 19th century magnates practiced against one another and communist countries practiced against their citizens. People need to feel that what they create can't be stolen. That has always been the case for thinkers, which is why this trend began with them. When you think of successful people from history who weren't ruthless, you get mathematicians and writers and artists. The exciting thing is that their MO seems to be spreading. The games played by intellectuals are leading into the real world, and this is reversing historical polarity of the relationship between meanness and success. So I'm really glad I stopped to think about this. Jessica and I have always worked hard to teach our kids not to be mean, and we tolerate noise and mess and junk food, but not meanness, and now we have both an additional reason to crack down on it, and an additional argument to use when I do, that being mean makes you fail. And that's the end of the essay. He's got a few notes here that are attached to uh, some kind of references. So the first note he has is attached to the end of the sentence where he talks about that uh, the ones driven by money take a big acquisition offer. And his note here is saying that not all founders who take a big acquisition offer are driven only by money, but rather those who don't aren't. Plus, one can have benevolent motives for being driven by money. For example, to take care of one's family or to be free to work on projects that improve the world. Like maybe they took an acquisition offer for, I don't know, uh, Zoom (laughs) or something like that. And they wanted to start another company that created uh, universal toilets or something like that. I guess that's a good example of what he's talking about. Uh, Let's see. He has another note here uh, in reference to the end of sentence that says... They may not so explicitly, but they are also usually trying to improve the world, which means people with a desire to improve the world have a natural advantage. So his note in reference to the natural advantage is, it's unlikely that every successful startup improves the world, but their founders, like parents, truly believe they do. Successful founders are in love with their companies, and while this sort of love is as blind as the love people have for one another, it is genuine. Okay, so I guess that's just referencing their natural love for their company is beyond, like, money. It's, like, for the company itself as an idea, as an entity. Okay, I guess that makes sense. 
Uh, he's got another one. He's got two more. Um, one, this number three is at the end of the sentence that goes, increasingly you win by not fighting to get control of a scarce resource, but by having new ideas and building new things. Um, and then his note is, Peter Thiel would point out that successful founders still get rich from controlling monopolies, just monopolies they create rather than ones they capture. And while this is largely true, it means a big change in sort of person who, in the sort of person who wins. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, basically, we're moving from a world where the rich create value from nothing, as opposed to the rich are rent seekers that extract value from something that's already there. Right? Um, I have a long rant on rent seekers, and maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll spend a day or so talking about them. Because, oh my god, rent seekers. They're the worst. And it, I think I can see that definitely happening over time. That the world is becoming less rent seeker based and more value add based. How much value can you give to people? Whether it be quantitative or emotional. What are you providing in terms of value? And how does that scale? As opposed to how much land can you control? And how much value can you extract from the land? Like an oil baron or... I guess the railroads, how much land can you have to make a railroad? I mean, the, actually, the railroad kind of provides value. But um, there's definitely something to be said how it's not so much a, um, a rent-seeker game as it is a value creation game. And uh, he got one more. Um, people need to feel that what they create can't be stolen. Oh, I guess this is talking about Archimedes. And his note is, to be fair, the Romans didn't mean to kill Archimedes. The Roman commander specifically ordered that he be spared, but he got killed in the chaos anyway. In sufficiently disordered times, even thinking requires control of scarce resources because living at all is a scarce resource. Okay, that's some kind of, I don't know, contribution. Um... Oh, I also noticed that this one has Portuguese translations, Japanese, and Arabic translations. So I guess uh, a startup founder from these countries probably translated it so other people can... Oh, yeah, look at this. So I guess consider this like a translation or a transcription from audio or from like written visual to audio visual, like... You could read this, but then now I'll translate it to uh, audio format so you can listen to it on your ride to work. So let's think about this. Mean people fail. What do you think do mean people fail? I think he's definitely right that he might just have a selection bias because... I don't know, man. So I'm I'm developing technology for... Uh, the cannabis industry and I have talked with many people in this industry and I would say I've met many people that were mean (laughs) like I don't think I've worked with many of them Um, but I've definitely met people that weren't so-called benevolent and also I mean it's a, a definite question like how is he defining benevolence and look this is from 2014 this is Kind of the golden era of uh, 
of social media, right? Like at this point, Facebook had just gone public a couple years earlier. Snapchat is coming into its own. You know, this is like the golden age for social media and social media startups and internet startups in general. So this is when internet founders could do no wrong, right? And then now, you know, with 2019 and 2020, I think the position has changed a lot on how, you know, these leaders are mean or not mean. Um, I definitely think he makes a lot of sense when he says you can't be mean if you're trying to get the best people because the best people don't like don't want to fuck around with mean people unless they're just great. And then, you know, there's another caveat. Everyone kind of universally agrees that Steve Jobs was an asshole. Uh, but then they go, he was a genius, though. So people just, like, dealt with him being an asshole because he was also a genius. And then you have all these, like, Steve Jobs wannabes that are just, like, an asshole, but they're not a genius, right? So, I don't know. Like, the the idea that mean people fail makes sense, but I think where is he drawing the line for failure? Right. It seems like he's almost drawing it for like if you have an early exit, which he even kind of discounts as that might not even be a failure. Maybe you want to provide for your family and you take the early exit um, as opposed to, you know, building it to a billion dollar business. So. I don't know. I mean, how many really successful people do I know that are mean, mean per se? I mean. I don't know. I would say I know a lot of rich people that are just fucking mean. Um, and they're just like, or just like not good people. But then if you look at like how companies are dealing today and like, let's say all the layoffs that happened during COVID. I mean, you were looking at companies that had nothing to do with uh, the pandemic and they were laying off, you know, 10% of their workforce. This is what? Like, COVID doesn't even affect your industry. So it's mostly like they were just using this as an escape to lay off people. Okay, well, I could see that as being like a reasonable thing because, you know, if you just like lay off 10% of your workforce, people would freak out. But then if a pandemic happens and you really wanted to lay off the bottom 10%, then you're like, cool, I have an excuse to do it. Does that make you mean? Probably not because that 10% is... You know, the bottom 10%, you always kind of want to cull out of your company. You don't want to keep those people because you're only as good as your weakest link. And if you have 10% of your corporation that's just like underperforming significantly, you kind of want to cut them out for the good of the other people, for the good of the 90%, right? So it, it justifies it being like a good thing to do. But does that make you mean? I would argue no, but how about all the kind of exploitive behavior that Airbnb will do with some of their people that rent and not having safe environments for the people or for the like uh, visitors? Is that mean or is that just a bad business practice? Is that like always striving to do better? What like what is mean? 
is Mark Zuckerberg creating like monopolistic practices on his platform, trying to crush different smaller groups? He either crushes them or buys them. Is that mean? Like I don't know, right? Like, like what does it mean to be mean? Is it just like when you talk with him, he's a fucking asshole, and he just like puts his hand in your face and tells you to fuck off or you talk to him. He like makes like crazy overtly racist comments that are just like incredibly offensive. I mean, how do you know if someone's mean? Like, I guess if you're just like an asshole, like you have a boss and he's just like a dick and you're like, dude, why are you such a dick? Yeah. I mean, I could see, how that just won't work to build a company. Like you need people around you to be positive and to have a positive mindset around you. And they need to know that they can trust you. It's, it's actually a pretty weird experience going through the growth of a company and like hiring people that follow you. It's hard to understand if you haven't gone through it yourself, but these people Really, they put their faith in you to make good decisions and to treat them correctly. And in a startup, you don't have enough money and you don't have enough leverage to be mean to people. And so you can't. You can't be a mean person because people will just be shitty. And I know a few startup founders that are mean and they are shitty. Yeah, and their companies do die. And so like that makes a ton of sense. Like It's pretty easy to to see in the beginning too, right? Like, if you talk with someone and they're just kind of like an ass, oh man, like, you're just like, dude, fuck that guy. Like, that guy's startup's gonna fail. And like, normally they do. Like, you can see people that are arrogant, but arrogance, I don't think really is like a requirement or a declaration of someone being mean. Because you could be arrogant, but like, not mean. You might just be in a little bit insufferable, but you, you probably don't be, need to be mean. Um, it just depends. I do know a few arrogant startup founders who you just like insufferable is a great way to describe them. Um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest questions I have from this are one, he wrote this in a completely different climate of startup companies, uh, than exist now, right? The climate's completely different. So that's one question I have. If I could, you know, go through and have him make an amendment to this essay, which would be pretty funny. But that's one. And then the second one is, what does it mean to be mean? You know, like, uh, is Elon Musk mean for calling some guy a pedophile who's trying to save uh like a few kids in i don't know i don't know where they were the soccer kids who got stuck in a cave and he called them a pedophile on twitter is that mean i mean probably right like i don't think i would like to be called a pedophile uh and that wouldn't be great at all um i would be like what an asshole right but maybe he was just joking like I I don't know. <laughs> like, Elon Musk also tweets a lot of like pretty intense shit, <laughs> like calling out the SEC, telling them to suck his cock. Yeah, that is uh, 
like is that mean i don't know is that arrogant probably um but he probably he doesn't come off as a, a mean guy even the companies that he starts are relatively altruistic in nature right like i want to you know make the planetary species more than one make it a solar species make it so that everyone can live on earth and live on mars and maybe we'll throw some people to venus you know so he has some altruistic goals so would he be identified as mean i don't think so i don't think yeah but i also don't know him so i don't know if he can really chalk that up and then there's also the idea that something that kind of correlates to what i talked about before with the fact that people need to trust you and people need to understand that you have their best interests at heart, not just your own, because they're going to follow what you talk about. They're going to do what needs to be done for the success of the company. So if you're mean, um, they're not going to fuck with you. But then there's the idea that most startup founders are fairly smart. So I would, I feel like I know a bunch of smart people who might be very benevolent and clear and interesting and not mean on the surface but all their intentions are like full of deceit and just like trying to game you constantly which i don't know trying to manipulate you to do something that they want that may not be in your best interest feels kind of mean right but they might not see it as mean or they might know it's mean but they cover it up with like congeniality so are those people mean when Paul Graham talks to them? Are they mean? No, but are they mean deep down in the inside, but they know exactly what needs to be done to like be successful, to have people follow them. I think that's really, that's probably another question that I would ask. Like how, how do you defend that? I don't know. I think it's a very interesting kind of problem that people might run into. Okay. Well, that is my analysis of the 2014 essay of Mean People Fail by Paul Graham. Join me next time when I go over Don't Talk Corp Dev, a Paul Graham essay. And that'll be next week on Startup Essays. I'd like to thank you guys very much. And... Uh, stay tuned for next week if you have any suggestions or questions that you would like me to answer maybe give you my opinion on what sort of conundrums you might be facing with your startup hit me up at startup essays at gmail.com i uh, i read every one of those essays and as many of you know i replied uh i would say most of them and yeah give me a shout on if you have any questions on your startup that you might want another opinion and would be comfortable I'll, I'll won't call out your name um i'll keep some anonymity but uh would be comfortable for me kind of like throwing out to the world maybe we can get a group kind of talking about it maybe have some more input for some of those really troubling kind of open-ended non-closed form issues that anyone with a company kind of deals with and if you have any suggestions on articles to read, I know I've read a few articles from suggestions of uh, listeners. So hit me up. 
startupessays at gmail.com. My name is Natal Partansky, signing off this week, and I will talk to you guys soon. Later.